Welcome to the Front Porch Podcast. I am here again, your host, Mr. Paul. I work at the Front Porch as an intern, and we got another uh, we got another great one here with some of my very best friends, Danielle and Ben. Danielle, how you doing? Paul, I'm doing well this morning. Thank you for asking. It's nice seeing you over Facetime. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and Ben's here too. I'm also doing well this morning. Wicked, wicked. So uh, let the people know who you are. What's your connection to the front porch? Uh, what are you doing in slow? And yeah, anything that people should know. Cool. Well, I guess I'll go first. Um, so my name again is Danielle. I am an alumni of the front porch as well as Cal Poly. Um, but I, I really identify as a front porch alumni. Um, it's was just a major part of um, my college experience. It's pretty much where I made all of my friends. And um, yeah, so I'm really excited to be on the podcast right now listening to any current or or voicing myself and my presence to anyone else who loves the front porch. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, you know, went to Cal Poly, graduated last year in uh, 2019, March 2019, and um, moved home like relatively quickly after graduation, lived at home for a year, then found a job in Slow. And that is so I moved back to Slow in March of this year, right before the pandemic hit. And here I am. So here that's that's a little bit about me. That's why I'm here. Nice. <laughs> Thank crazy time to get a job. March of 2020. Definitely. All right. So now, now yeah, now you're hearing Ben's voice, listeners or listener, depending on what your audience is like, Paul. Um, <laughs> um, Did you write that joke down? No, I didn't write that joke down. That's not one of the ones I had written down. Um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, my name's Ben. I graduated a year after um, Danielle here. So I just graduated in June and got to stick around at the front porch a little longer. But as many who are currently students and or graduated at the end of 2020s, June uh, spring quarter felt a little robbed as far as um, getting a full goodbye to the college experience, no ceremony, no real closure with the front porch, um, which I think probably would have happened anyway, since you work there, Paul, and we talk often. So it's nice to still feel connected, but yeah, as a front porch alumni, it feels strange. <laughs> To not have a solid transition moment from student to alumni. Yeah. So that's. Yeah, that's. I haven't thought about that. How there's like normally you get a pretty sharp like you're a student. Now you're not a student and now you're something else. But this year, anybody who graduated at least probably between June of 2020 and June of 2021 mm -hmm. It's just a slow, weird slide out of studenthood with no real, like, none of the normal landmarks of mm -hmm. entry into the, into the mm -hmm. real world, whatever, whatever the real world is, um, which is what we're here to talk about. The real, the real world. world. 
Yeah. So, oh yeah, so I guess what's going on as far as... I'm in slow right now recording this live um, at the time. And um, But come Tuesday, I'm moving to Colorado to work on a ski resort. Barring all things with the pandemic allow that to happen. There's still some ambiguity surrounding that, but hopefully get to be a ski bum this year, work in a kitchen. Just a slow slide of being in slow for almost six years, and now all of a sudden, just like fairly suddenly being like, oh, I guess it's time to go, and like saying bye to people is weird because it's like you can't really say bye to people, you know, there's a pandemic, so you got to do the whole porch you know, at their front door or whatever, or if it's an acquaintance, you know, that you were hoping to run into before you left town, like that's probably just not going to happen. So yeah, strange, strange time, Mm -hmm. but that's what's going on. And yeah, the real, the real world feels fast approaching and strange and uh, just trying to figure out where one fits in in a in a seemingly very uh, heavy and overwhelming real world these days with everything going on yeah well let me just tell you that the real world is scary <laughs> and it's nothing like undergrad it's seriously is just like you just graduate and you're like wow that this voice is me is gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it's interesting because i mean this even sounds cliche, but it's just like the things that people say mm-hmm. about post grad. It's like just kind of true. Ben and I were having a conversation on this topic about how in um, uh, undergrad, post grad life is like a very friendly amount of ambiguity. Like you just have this mm-hmm. idea of what post-grad is going to be like. And it's filled with your goals and dreams that you're still not really sure what they are. And then when you're actually graduated, it's like, it's, it still is very ambiguous as to like what you're doing with your life. But at the time when you were imagining where you would be, you didn't think it would be ambiguous at that time. You thought you would just kind of know like, what track you were on yeah and so just still being like having this like loose conception of where your life is going and it it does seem like you know even other peers that I have who are post-grad still feel like this like a lot of people it's very common or more common than not that you aren't really sure where you will even be in like a year or two and the pandemic has just really, yeah. like, um, like, I don't know, heightened that altogether. Exacerbated. Yeah. Because it's really time. just... But if anything, it's like the pandemic has kind of provided, like, a sense of security in that almost. Because, hmm. well, at least for me... Because you have a job. Because I have a job. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if it wasn't the pandemic. (laughs) So yeah, basically for my job, for those of you who don't know, I am doing technology sales for a um, startup company. It's a sales and marketing platform, like software platform. And it's definitely just been 
I don't know. It's been... <laughs> It's been very different than what I imagined myself doing, like, post-grad. Like, again, like, in undergrad, I just had this, like, very ambiguous vision of what I would doing, what I would be doing with my life after college. Like, I would be doing something where I'm changing the world and, like, creating something and, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, and it's, like, I personally, right now, I honestly am really enjoying my job doing there's just a lot of really interesting things that I've learned about like the startup culture and the business world altogether um that I had no I that I was just like so I just knew nothing about prior to working this job um but I was thinking that if I um if it wasn't the pandemic right now if it was if I was just making this choice to work this job in slow I would probably have a lot more anxiety mm -hmm. as to being like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life right now? Is this my dream? Is this what I want to be doing? Because that's kind of what college has bred you to like feel about after college. It's like, are you doing your dream? Is this something that you're going to be changing the world with, with all of your powerful knowledge that we've passed on to you? So n instead of feeling like that, I am like, well, I'm just glad I have a job. Mm -hmm. And it has provided a, yeah. a sense of security in just my and I have I haven't been super torn up about my what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. And I guess I would propose I find it interesting that in trying to find a way to feel like you're, as you put it, changing the world mm -hmm. or dealing with some sort of existential threat to the existence of a prosperous human culture and relationships or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. I've added those words, but you, you said changing the world, but it's interesting that I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's a Cal Poly thing. Also probably just culture at large that it feels like the job that you're doing has to be the place where that activity takes place. Changing the world. Um, changing the world. Yeah. Which. Right. And why would the exploitation of your labor ever be the place where you're going to change the world? Um, necessarily. Because that's where you spend the majority of your life. Sure. But I don't. <laughs> I, I think that's what I'm saying. I to finish the thought. I think even though you spend 40 hours of your week there, that's not uh, necessarily the best place to make these changes. And I don't know. I, I like the sentiment Paul said. It's or the yeah. only yeah, no, place. I agree, I agree. I'm just playing a little bit of devil's advocate yeah. just because like for me, it's like I work so much. It feels like it. I feel like it is just ends up being so much. And then the, by the time I'm done with work, I'm just so tired that I, all I want to do is crochet <laughs> and just like, <laughs> Yeah. Not think about like I don't know, not or like I I feel like I wouldn't have enough energy to like you know, changing the world. But I think just the concept of changing the world we should just unpack that a little bit in the first place. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Yeah, because like college just like you know, you're just like the whole entire structure of it is like you're preparing for your future. And you're preparing to be a catalyst in whatever environment you go to next, whether mm -hmm. it be the workplace or in like some sort of leadership role. 
I think it's I think it's common that people want to like you're going there for yourself. You know? What? Well you're going there for yourself. What do you so mean going where? Going to college. That's like the whole point of it is to prepare for your future. Okay. Yeah, I lost the thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's that's so that's so that feels so true to me because if you think about like where like how the loan industry has boomed with um with college education people going it's the way that it's framed is you are making an investment in Mm -hmm. yourself and you make this investment so that at some point you can pay it off with the the uh spoils of your of your labor with the education that you got for for yourself yeah it's very uh i guess individual i suppose yeah but so okay if this so this is sort of seems to be running parallel to this idea of change the world um i also i think in unpacking it i think to some degree we have to sort of like do away with it we have to do away with it in a lot of different ways because it's very i don't know like what does that even mean what does that mean to change the world like you are going to People change the world in a lot of different ways, negatively and positively. Um, you can create a supply chain that um, furthers the degradation of our environment, and that will change the world. Uh, you can expand voting rights, and that will also change the world. So it's like this colloquialism paints over a lot of like very different ways to do this work. But that seems different from what you go to college for, which seems very individual and like I'm doing this for myself so that I can, you know, make a living or whatever, which changing the world is extremely external, Mm -hmm. it seems. Well, I feel like it's kind of the college egotistical. College is egotistical? No, no. Thinking you're going to change the world. You are the one who has the power to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I suppose it puts them it puts them on the same sort of terrain. The one is individual and the one, the other is egotistical and they're sort of working uh working with each other. Like the college, the story of the investment you make of yourself in college sort of also serves the egotistical narrative that you are going to change the world. I don't know. No, that's interesting. That's interesting. This investment you're making towards yourself is saying like, "Oh, if I um if I make this if I take out a bunch of money, go to this school for a long time, spend a bunch of money, then I'll have these things that will let me for sure have a nice roof and a nice food. Like, you know, very reductionistly, mm-hmm. like I'll have the needs met and like that's what I'm investing in. Yeah. But it's all like coded in this veneer of like, yeah, you'll have the tools to change the world and whatever, but at the end and like which we still don't have a definition nailed down for changing the world really but there it, it there's a talk of doing more with your degree which of course i think is a thing to be done and i think can also be done without a degree but i think it's interesting that when you actually think about the investment financially if you operate strictly in a financial understanding i think it boils down to like you're trying to make sure you have food and a roof over your head. And then also, once you know that, like, when you're thinking about those things, it's like, how do you juggle all the existential 
threats and dread of the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like once you're, once you're in the, so we have changed the world and we have the real world. So you leave college yeah. to enter the real world so that you're able to change this perhaps yeah. real world. Um, and so changing the world, you, I, I think that's definitely the story. And uh, you know, like I think there's plenty of holes to be poked in that, but as far as when you're, I guess, yeah, we can all talk about when we were in undergrad, like pretentious post-grad people. So when I was an undergrad, I, uh, definitely had that story in my head. Like Danielle was saying, you have this ambiguous real world that you're going to enter into with who knows what. And now like here I am doing who knows what floating around. Um, and, uh, the story was definitely, you're going to enter this thing called the real world and you are going to be at the top of the real world, being able to make the changes you see needed or whatever. Something like that, you know? Yeah. So what are the marked differences between the real world and the fake world? Fake world being the college experience. Well, I... Interesting. I think um, just kind of going off on ambiguity, like the real world is... I mean, if we're really... If we're going to use those terms, the real world is so loose and ambiguous. Whereas... In undergrad, it's so concrete. Like you take an, a class on one single topic, like, um, I don't know. What's the name of one of your classes? Dude, I don't know. There's <laughs> a bunch of them. You took them like fluid mechanics or... Principles yeah, of marketing. Yeah, exactly. So principles when you take principles or... of marketing, you understand the basics of all marketing in the world. That's how. That's kind of how this class, I think, is painted to you. And so after you take that, you're like, I understand when there's just so much beyond any single class, like in the real world and like in the real world, like it's not always like one single theory to explain everything. There's like, you know, endless ways of explaining things, I guess. I don't know. And it's, it's interesting because you're... (laughs) Just kind of just going, I just keep using this word ambiguous, but it's like when you're an undergrad, it's like a positive, the real world is like this positive, ambiguous place of like, I'm going to be serving my purpose. I'm going to be doing something important and I'm going to be like, you know, a leader for people. And then when you get to the so-called real world, you know, Ben and I are both in the real world. It looks very different for the both of us. Ben's yeah. been traveling for... I don't I don't <laughs> like the tone you're using to describe, like, the hopefulness of being a positive influence on the world as an undergrad. I think that's something great I think to cultivate. I think that's... No, that's what I... Well, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It just looks <laughs> a lot different. It just... Yeah. I'm not well, saying it's not... Okay. It's non-existent. Did you not... Did you not encounter that, Ben? Did you not encounter a positive ambiguity while you were taking fluid <laughs> mechanics and soil no, erosion. No, I, I and... absolutely did. I absolutely did. But I'm I'm saying okay. I think that although there's plenty to critique about the experience of undergrad feeling as though it's not a real world aspect of the mm-hmm. the journey, um, which I think I think is I don't know how I feel about it. I I don't know I think, if it's I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's great to like inspire the youth. <laughs> 
Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> I think so. But what I'm saying is I think there's definitely, like we asked going back, what the market difference between this fake college world and the real world is. And I think it's an unhelpful story for being the positive benefit to whatever you want life to look like. I think it's harmful when you think like, oh, right now I'm pretending and then I'll start. And I think it's something that like Mm -hmm. gave me a hiccup so that now I was like, oh, now I'm going to start. But now it's like, oh, I I could have already like been cultivating sorts of things. And, you know, and I think like clubs do a good job of doing that and talking with professors. And there's plenty of like, quote unquote, real world things going on. But it's just an interesting story that maybe, I don't know, it sounds like it was a shared experience between us three at least, but I definitely got sucked into. I think it's helpful to, however egotistical it may sound, I think in the face of problems, you have to lean in to that, like your ego a little bit to be like, okay, well, how do I actually do something? concretely you know Mm -hmm. like the ego is a as we know like it's what we uh it's what tells us to eat food when we're hungry um which interesting interestingly enough danielle and i were just watching a video about breatharians which is a whole Mm -hmm. other can of worms but they only eat air and there's like a huge following i've recently read something on twitter about them yeah it's crazy and like there's been some people that have died and obviously there's some fake but crazy but Anyway, so the ego, like, helps take care of things and, like, create proactivity and is essentially, like, on the ground to help and whatever. And so if it's helpful to empower yourself to think of you actually having the capability of doing something, I think that that should be cultivated, perhaps. Yeah, I got I a couple thoughts on this. I saying it's a bad thing. I, th- I, I know you were. <laughs> I think... Stop attacking me! I think... <laughs> we got some... We got some tension on the desk <laughs> mic over there. We were having a major fight before this, and so this is just oh like gosh, really timely. Even, that's not I'm even... just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul, you could title this just to get people to listen. Like Danielle, Ben, and Danielle blow up on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should. I should give these pods a little more click. Yeah. honestly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but so the the obviously there's a lot of privilege i think that comes with this distinction between like fake world and real world like the fact that people can make a sort of like oh like this doesn't really count like this is you know the training ground for life like all these sorts of these things where you can exist in that positive ambiguity of like at some point like i'm gonna have the skills to like do the thing in the world that i want to do like there's a lot of privilege to that because it requires obviously an enormous amount of capital to enter upon the college terrain Um, But I want to highlight a couple Instagram accounts that I think really get to the difference between this privileged fake world approach to college and then the the external, the the internal and the external that exists with the undergrad, postgrad situation. Do you follow Instagram accounts that, that describe this? Well, I think I think they they do describe it not intentionally, though. Have you heard of the account fifth year? No. At fifth year? Okay, so have you heard of Barstool? Yeah, you mean like Barstool Sports? I think it's Barstool Sports. But yeah, because so every school has like a Barstool Cal Poly, yeah. like Barstool 
you know, wherever. So these two accounts sort of get to the sort of like all of the insane things that happen in college. Like you go on Barstool Cal Poly and that's where that video came up of the, all those people at Pirate's Cove throwing that insane rager in the midst of the pandemic. That happened? That's crazy. Where they have, you know, mm-hmm. and then like the Cal Poly powers that be tried to track down all these people at the party to like see if they were going to test positive for the virus. Um, and there's also this other little clip of one of those um, like little carts, those move-in carts where you put all your stuff in the cart and put it in the elevator and take it up into your little dorm room. They had one of these carts at the beach and it was like floating to shore. What? Um, what the heck? How did they bring that there? Yeah, and it's, I don't know, somebody's pickup truck probably. Pickup truck. Um, That's honestly pretty funny. And so fifth year, I think even gets to it even better with the name of like, we're going to stay in this a little while longer. We're going to make it last one more year. We're going to stay in this sort of surreal experience where we can, you know, do our butt chugs and, <laughs> um, you know, just be just be a little crazy, be a little nuts. And fifth year is like the extension of that internality of, of, of undergrad uh, that, that we can sort of make the clear distinction between, okay, after this nonsense is all over, then we're going to start taking things a little more seriously. And so much of it is like this distinction of fake world and real world really comes from like the privilege of being able to go to college, having the either being able to take out a loan big enough to make it happen or have, you know, parents who made it in the world before you to have saved up tens of thousands of dollars to front your front your escapades for four to six years. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a privileged posture. Well, there's uh, there's there's a fellow I met recently who was in community college for a number of years in San Diego, but he would commute from Tijuana every day, getting up at three in the morning to go to community college. And now he's at Cal Poly uh, studying to be an engineer, living for the in the U.S. for the first time. Um, And so this distinction of, you know, real world and fake world that does not exist yeah. for this individual there. It has always been, I, th- I think a little bit of the, the real world distinction of, uh, between, you know, college and not college is it's, it's struggle. Like there is a, a more, a different sort of struggle. Sure. You know, you're having to write papers, you're having to take exams, but it's all very concrete. Mm-hmm. It's all defined ahead of time. Like these are the struggles that you will encounter mm-hmm. week eight. You'll have this struggle week 10. You'll have this struggle and then you'll have a little time of, of unstruggle. Um, and then the real world, whatever, the struggle is, becomes ambiguous. But for many people who are going through college or not going through college after, you know, whatever, maybe secondary education that they had, the struggle is always ambiguous. Hmm. That's a very interesting point, Paul. What do you mean by interesting? <laughs> I'm allowed to say the word interesting, Ben. Oh, okay. My favorite word. You Thank sure you. are, yeah. <laughs> You're really getting my cogs turning with that one. I'll just say that. Your what turning? My cogs. <laughs> 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 I think that's what interesting means you to know, me. It means cogs. when my, my cogs are turning. And I'm like, ah. Yeah. Oh. I like that better than interesting. You're getting my cogs turning. Okay, I'll use that more around you. Um, yeah, so does the real world mean a struggle whether that struggle be like 
providing for your family or climbing to the top of a organization like those are both struggles finding a job that gives you meaning yeah because that okay because this meaning kind of intertwined with struggle meaning and struggle yeah, I would say, well, yeah, I would definitely say meaning, to find meaning is to some degree a struggle. Huh, yeah, that really got my cogs turning. Me too. This is an interesting, I, I don't know, it's just, because even when, I remember having conversations about the real world being like a made up thing and that like, when when we were in school together, I think, like, we had that conversation being, like, there's no, like, real world. Like, this is it. Like, why are we pretending like this isn't it? But there still, like, is a different feeling about it. And it just, I different guess. Different way you for go some. about your life. Or yeah. just view your, what you're currently doing. Because in college, it's, like, it's easy. It's, like. I'm in college, and I am here for the next year, two years, three years, months to go to the next step. And then... Depending on your level of resources. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Could you elaborate on that? Well, yeah. So if you're going through... If if you have decided to get a college education without the, you know, 10, 20, 30 grand a year that it takes for, to put up for tuition and you know you got to pay the rent you got to get food you got to keep the electricity on right now for for sure everybody's having to get high-speed internet um mm-hmm. if those if those needs are a challenge to meet because of uh a lack of resources the it feels less like the fake world i think mm-hmm. it feels very yeah. real and I think it's also interesting, maybe this is a Cal Poly like thing about um, like really celebrating, uh, I don't even know, like profitable ideas in that like the college feels somewhat quote unquote fake because like research and just like the thinking and everything that goes on on campus like isn't it's not as concretely like fixing a car i that was a bad example but it seems like you you said "Mm -hmm," like you kind of understood what i was going for here like the the idea of academia like doesn't it's not like selling a product that can be bought and sold like you're not making things on campus. You're not like You're being trained. Yeah, but like for who knows what. Yeah, trained. I, I don't know. I, I kinda lost my train of well, thought. But, Cal- but I think that contributes to why campus feels like quote unquote fake world because the quote unquote real world that you're being trained for is so make, consume, spend. Mm. Like mm-hmm. spend your time is a commodity. You're trying to buy commodities. Yeah. Everything is scarcity, commodity, buy, sell, money. And on campus, there's like this kind of loose, like that's not as there. And there is like some dreamy hope of like, oh, 
building something new and like here like thought is the currency and that's like a it's lovely and i loved campus for that and i think that's great but i think that might be a distinction also worth making that is interesting because i to me it would seem that the culture of cal poly lends itself to feel as real as Mm. like the real world as possible with especially the the learn by doing um propaganda Um, definitely because because it's it i i spent a little bit of time in the business program at cal poly um and especially in the entrepreneurship area of the department it is very focused on like we're here to build something like if you're interested in like making something during college and like creating you know a great idea and working to solve some sort of market problem like this is the place to do it and then the whole the way the whole program is set up is like connect business students with engineer students they're not really connecting business students with a lot of liberal arts students for whatever reason it doesn't seem they have much to offer the, the business college soft skills uh, but the Paul, engineering soft skills <laughs> um but but engineering is definitely uh the land of opportunity for the business students as far as mining their labor for their for their for their ideas um and that that seems very it seems it seems it runs very counter to um the story that like we're being trained and this doesn't count but like this very mm-hmm. much does count maybe it doesn't count is like the the, the risk is a little lower um you mm-hmm. know but it's definitely you're here to to do a thing it is funny though because i think they have some program on campus called the sandbox like there's a business mm-hmm. sandbox which is very very like just sort of reinforces that distinction between like you know we're not doing it for real here we're going to do it for real later and like here we're just going to play in the sandbox for a little while yeah with our with our with our skills yeah that's that was the sandbox was um a metaphor i was thinking about earlier actually as like the way campus felt as a whole because i think even though there's that learn by doing attitude my experience with it or learn by doing propaganda i liked that word um is it felt like a sandbox where it was like yeah like you're making things but like this isn't really real and i think there are of course exceptions to that rule and there are you know, like Jamba Juice was a senior project or whatever, you know, there's like that type of stuff going on. Um, And like people are sending satellites into space and like there's plenty going on. But I think my experience was that Cal Poly was a sandbox and you kind of like knew, or I I felt that it was a sandbox, but was like, this is great. Like, I don't want to (laughs) leave. all those engineering projects, like they have to build that air motor Mm -hmm. and it just becomes like a, a paperweight or like a gift for your, a gift for your dad. Like, Hey, look what I made in college. Yeah. Um, Danielle, I had a question for you. You mentioned that you've been learning a lot of lessons about the startup culture and the business world. What, uh, what can you tell us? What do you, what have you learned? Nine months now in industry. Mm -hmm. Well, there's honestly so much. It's kind of just like, like the way I would describe it is kind of with the business world. And like, I think tech, tech startup 
world in general, it's kind of like entering like a new worldview. Like the same way you when you entered like Cal Poly and you, you know, took the first few classes in your major and you were like learning these this the new language of your the your area of study and like the all the career possibilities or like all of the the ways you can like go about the world after college it's like i feel like you know entering i've or just being at postal the name of my company it's just made me aware of this whole giant world that i literally had no knowledge of prior and with that there's like it's because it's a world there's just like so many different aspects and nuances of it like there's um the like when you mentioned barstool there was this drama that happened between this is kind of like a really i don't know if you want to include this because it's just such it's such a it's kind of just like a really big story within the tech sales world is there's the I'm so curious. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I knew you'd be interested. So basically there's this Instagram account called Corporate Bro. And he is the comedian and the almighty knowing sales guy for creating comedy to help cope with doing one of the hardest jobs in technology, which is tech sales, where your job is to bother people all the time asking them if they have any interest whatsoever in like whatever you're selling to them and so he does a lot of comedy bits about it and um like they're super hilarious if you're in tech sales but there was this drama that happened because one of the big controversies in tech sales that's like really prominent on in linkedin culture um, is like, should CEOs and decision makers, that's what they're called, CEOs, CROs, anyone with C-suite, should decision makers be respective to cold calling? Like, should they, should they be like, do they have the right, because they're like so uppity up there, to be really rude to someone like me, an entry-level sales role, like, calling them out of the blue should they be rude to them or should they give them respect this is, is there a, ever an argument for being rude like you can just yeah because well because people <laughs> well they're like i've i've you know gone through this already like i don't my time is so important i don't have enough time to talk to this low-level person who you know thinks they can just call me any time of day like i just don't have time for you like you're just trying to you're trying to take my money and then the argument against that is like, okay, well, how how is your company running right now? Your company is running on the labor of like this sales team that is doing the exact same mm -hmm. thing to other C-suites and other, you know, decision makers in other companies. So like basically it's hypocritical. So basically um, the drama, this is where this is where I get to the story. So. Erica Nardini, she is the CEO of Barstool Sports. She made a Twitter post screenshotting a saleswoman's email to her that had a, that the subject line had just like parentheses, no subject. 
and she was and she screenshotted it and posted it on Twitter and it got like a huge response because this girl is really famous and she's like I'm starting this thing called unsubscribe starting with Rachel and Rachel is the saleswoman that sent her the email and basically this woman Rachel was the source of like all of these jokes and blah 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 for like all these CEOs and stuff and then the guy from uh, what's it called a corporate bro he called her out because he has a giant following and said, like, you're being a major hypocrite. Like, you're calling out, like, a woman of color who – and you're exploiting her when she's, like, a low – like, you can't – his whole point was, like, you can't punch down. Like, you can't, um, like, exploit someone who's, like, lower than you, like, openly on Twitter. Like, she posted her name and her photo on Twitter. And so – yeah, there was this whole drama that happened. Then on her podcast, she had him on, and they, like, kind of argued about it. And she was they hashed it out. Yeah, and she was just saying, like, I just don't believe why, like, I like why why is sales turning into like such an automated process where you're trying to reach like thousands of people in a week? It should just be like a really personal process. Corporate bro went on. And she, well, she was arguing why are you, why is this why is sales become such an automated way of doing about things? Like, I don't want to receive a, an email that says no subject, and like I'm just getting spam emailed all the time. And the argument against that, so it's basically just kind of an argument of like, in your sales approach, do you want to do like hyper personalized sales approach, like only write like three emails a day and target three people, or do you want to target a thousand people in a week with like, you know, just you know really more generic messaging and the thing is with like the you know reaching like thousands of people it just kind of gets more hits usually whereas like if you spent like an entire hour writing a personalized message like it just gets lost in someone's inbox or if like you call someone you don't even have the right phone number and like it's pretty rare that like sales teams do like a super personalized approach I think so it's just that's like that's just one example of like this like nuanced culture that I've just found myself in there are people Mm -hmm. who believe that once you reach a certain level in your career you don't need to be nice to menial salespeople at all like you don't need Mm -hmm. to do that so it's just and you know for me it's just like I just think it's interesting because I I still kind of feel like an outsider a lot of the time because, again, it's not something I envisioned myself doing um, post-grad. And so, like, especially following, like, a meme page, like, Corporate Bro, like, I mean, he's not exactly yeah. a meme page. It's just he does, like, a, a lot of sketches and stuff. It's, like, following, like, a, a niche comedy page, I feel like, is just one way of just really immersing yourself in a new culture because if you learn about the things that people joke about or the things that people find ridiculous it kind of just gives you a lot of insight as to like what everyone's feeling well any type of shared experience this is so curious this page at corporate you should watch a video or two it's like (laughs) it's really interesting because you're because it's like so popular 182,000 people are keeping up to date on what the at corporate bro. Oh yeah, well uh, and an, another thing he pointed out to an Erica Nardini, the girl, the CEO of Barstool Sports. He was like, "Salespeople, I guarantee are like your number one like follower on Barstool. Like salespeople are the people 
<laughs> He's like, salespeople, we're doing the worst thing thing in existence. Like, we need to just like, you know, strip away our own like sense of self to like, you know, be calling people all the time, get rejected all the time. So, how do you see this this uh, culture that you are now existing in impacting your life after? working a day in sales you don't really want to think about anything too heavy and just sort of crochet and uh, decompress Mm -hmm. have you noticed any other um, impacts to your life or worldview as a result of this uh, existing in this culture Mm, I understand now like why people get extremely invested in their careers because Mm -hmm. like for example my boss is just like kind of this badass bitch woman who is super awesome and like really she's just kind of like your classic corporate badass woman from you know any business movie you'd watch and she's like she has told me a lot that like her career is her passion and like um just because it's kind of like ex- like the way that it's been described, or just being in like a business like this, it's kind of it's kind of like a sport. Like you kind of are like you know your competitors are the different teams that you're competing against, and you're like you kind of like give it your all. You're like we need to beat them, and at the end of the day, like you know, a football game doesn't really mean much at the end of the day, hmm. but you. Uh, like it's like really it's it's definitely really fun and gives you like a sense of purpose and um it's really i i also think it's really interesting like learning about um different like areas of like just technology in general and the market and you just it's just kind of like learning a, like it's pretty much i just learned about a new world Um, And as for just, like, being, you know, really exhausted after work, it's, like, I think it's just, like, I would feel like that after working in school if I was working for, like, literally, like, you know, I'm pretty much, I feel like it's just, like, the same as if you were doing homework for eight hours straight. Like, it's very, like, pretty much all I'm doing is just, like, my own personal, like, workflow and tasks and stuff so it's it is tiring but it is just kind of hard because it's like that's kind of where it comes back to like you know your job is your passion like your job is how you're changing the world because it's like yes this isn't like what I imagined it to be and like it's not how I imagined like changing the world during undergrad but it's like if you're not if your job isn't something that you're really enjoying it's like you're spending so much time doing it and so much thought power and energy that if you don't like it at all it does kind of seem like you're it's just you're you're too tired afterwards to do anything to like you know do anything else with your life that's more that will give you that fulfillment in my and well just for me I guess that's my own personal experience Ben I feel like we're losing you what's can we have your thoughts on what I don't have know. You, I just feel like well, just I have a question for you. I have a ben. question for you too, Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll <Okay>. go first. <laughs> have how have you noticed the impact of the corporate world on your partner? Oh my gosh! Danielle? Please tell me. I'm so curious. Interesting. 
I don't know if it's the corporate world, but I think it happens a lot. Um, I noticed it as a characteristic of myself when I was um, really overwhelmed in school <clears throat> or just you just have a lot going on. You kind of just like what she's saying when the day ends or like when your tasks are at a place where you can stop for her, I guess it would be around five. You kind of have the ability to lean on like, oh, that was a long day. I'm really tired. And I think that just happens more now than it did when we were students, um, for her at least. And like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? Well, I'm just <laughs> like, I'm... we just, <laughs> I've just noticed like full-time work. I think it does it to most people. And so I haven't noticed as much of a like actual corporate sales impact, but I think full-time work, especially when it's at home and there's like no real work life divide because of coronavirus. Um, it's easy to use work um, or your employment as a way to be like, oh, I'm, I did that all day. Like I get to do this now or whatever for like her, I guess it's crochet or for some people it's like, which I guess crochet is probably a good one. But I think a lot of people um, probably just like watch TV or something and do activities that may look like, so now I'm straying away from just Danielle. Wait, I'm just still, so wait, are you, is the point of what you're saying is that I, have like sectioned a good chunk of my day out for just relaxation now. No, I don't really even know what I'm saying. I think it's just, (laughs) I I just have noticed I, that full-time work has definitely made you tired. Yeah. Like you're just tired more. And I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because things that make you more awake are those things that you don't want to do when you're a little tired, like exercising or mm-hmm. like rigorously like stimulating your thoughts instead mm-hmm. of just like watching a mind numbing like movie or doing a menial task like I guess crocheting or something. Mm-hmm. And so it's just I see it happening to employed people. And it's uh, something that I fear because I know it's hard. I know, especially with daylight savings, especially with the pandemic to like actually take care of yourself um, I think becomes really hard and to cultivate like good relationships, but it makes me fearful of moving somewhere new and getting a job and then knowing like I'll probably be that tired as well. And it's just, um, I think it takes a lot of effort to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and the people around you when you are fully employed. So are you saying that there are noticeable effects, uh, to a person's well-being when their labor is exploited. That is exactly what I am saying. Oh, wow. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, I was going to ask you because, so we've been talking about like the real world being, you know, like for me, it was kind of a slow slide. It seems like that's kind of, we didn't really come into this with a topic, but it seems like the theme has kind of been our place in this fake real world distinction. Yeah, I totally forgot that we were going to solve a global issue. Oh, I think that that was a bad idea. My my thought that I, I had a single sentence thought on that for the listener. A possible idea was going to be bring up a global issue such as climate change, coronavirus, the existential threats of social media and technology today 
and AI, all of these things, and we were going to solve the issue in an hour. But I think the problem with these issues is that there's already a lack of nuance when we talk about them. So taking out all of the nuance and like making it <laughs> like a joke like that is just like an unhelpful exercise. So back to the real world distinction thing. I was going to ask you like what the front porch internship feels like as far as that transition or that um, and like the space of front porch being so closely tied to studenthood and yet like you're still young, but it is your job and you do deal with things beyond like student tasks and whatnot. So how does that yeah. how does na- navigating uh, that feel? I feel like it was a really nice transition into whatever I end up doing after the internship because I am still very close to like student culture because I'm literally looking at campus from where I work (laughs) right now, right out the window. It's like, there's the health center and the university property and I'm interacting with students every day and our primary market, so to say, um, is students that's just sort of like our terrain of work is like, how can we, you know, provide meaningful events for students? How can we create spaces and resources for students so that they can succeed? How do we develop relationships with, with students that are um, positive and beneficial? And so all of those aspects I think has just kept the, the real world at bay in a lot of ways. Like I'm not, for one, I don't feel very exploited because I have a lot of freedom in what I get to do. Like part of the job is literally doing this podcast, which is so funny. And like, you know, I have an idea for an event. I can just like do that event and plan it and, you know, work out all the logistics. And that's just sort of part of it. And there are a few things that's like, you know, we have to clean once a week. We have to, there are some tasks that just, they have to happen regardless. But there's so much freedom that I think that, a lot of the worries and struggle that come with ideas about the real world as far as being controlled by your job um, and feeling like all of your mental bandwidth like goes to this one thing that you are working for someone else's bottom line. I just don't, I don't, I don't feel that, which is really good for me and my values But yeah, and so the other thing is I think it's just a really good like preparatory space for whatever comes next, which I think is kind of helpful for whatever you're in. It's like you should totally be fully there. Like you should be fully present to whatever space that you see as your like meaning making space. Perhaps it's a job, perhaps it's something else. But especially with work, Um, And especially with the nature of work, particularly in the U.S. right now, is people are not staying in their jobs for 20, 30 years like they did 30 years ago. People are moving companies every five years, 10 years. Like that's very, very common or even less. Um, And so part of being in one place is sort of recognizing like, am I pivoting myself to whatever the next thing might be? Um, and for me, I see this as like a really good place for what those next things might be. Um, I get to be very reflective on the impacts of religion on the modern world, which I really enjoy. 
I get to do a lot of like reading and and thinking generally about you know people's existential dilemmas and that's something I also enjoy and these are all things that I you know hope to continue to do in the future in some capacity and so yeah I think it's very much kept the the sort of feeling of exploitation that I think often comes with work and the draining I, th- I think often exploitation feels like a really strong word for people. And so just the sort of feeling like, oh, man, I'm so done after this day. There are certainly some days that I think I very much feel like all I want to do is, you know, curl up on the couch and look at Twitter for a little while. But I also feel very energized, I think, a lot of the time. And I can go home and, you know, work on the things that I am really, really interested in, like the apocalypse i get to just think about the apocalypse a lot of times and read and write about the apocalypse or i can um what are the other things i get to you know fly my kite (laughs) (laughs) so yeah cool on the whole thank you for that answer i would highly recommend the front porch internship to uh anyone looking for a, a new preparatory space after their undergraduate degree. Did you have, did you guys have any other notes that you are? Uh, I mean, we had all sorts you wanted of to stuff. get to. We've, um, should we read that quote? Or is that another can of worms? We don't want to open up right now. Well, okay. Oh, we, <laughs> we have got time for cans of worms. Danielle recently introduced me. And I think, it's a band that a lot of it people came up are... on my discover weekly. And then you also, you also told me that you've been listening to wise blood a lot. And so I've been obsessed with her and nice. Yeah. It's been, it's been amazing to have something that speaks to my soul as much as she does. And so she's, there's this song that I really love by her. It's called movies and it's about, it's one of her most popular songs. I really recommend it. And it's um, basically about how she just loves movies so much. And there's there's one line in it that she says, the meaning of life doesn't shine as bright as the screen. And it's kind of just like a... Um, um, the way she talks about it is just kind of brutally honest about how movies are sometimes or like a lot of the times seem like better than real life like it's exciting there's a plot there's like a sense of resolution yeah resolution and adventure and just throughout the the song she goes through and says put me in a movie i want people to know me um i want to be the star and it doesn't have it has like a very whimsical tone to it. So it's just interesting hearing these, this dialogue in the song about how she's just admitting that she just what would rather be in a movie than in her own life a lot of the time. And cause I think it's yeah. sometimes, you know, you don't really want to admit that to yourself. So I just, and then but uh, one thing Ben and I were talking about is I just love that quote so much. I'll say it again. The meaning of life doesn't shine as bright as the screen. Because it's just so, like, it's just a good reminder that kind of, like, movies can make you feel like that sometimes. 
like they can make you feel like your life is not on track or your life has less purpose than the characters that you've identified with in the movie and kind of going along that quote i was i recently got this little board from goodwill that i wanted to paint over and write a quote on and ben and i were just kind of having this dialogue about if i if i write the quote on that board and just have it up to display like having a um kind of like like a dreary quote on display is not really something you see all the time so we were just kind of (laughs) having a little thought experiment of like if you walked into a coffee shop you saw a bunch of signs that say like everybody dies there's a there's an old meme format where it's those like black background motivational posters with like a really beautiful landscape uh-huh. picture with like a big bold serif word like perseverance and yeah. then a quote underneath that's like you know something about never giving up and how great that is but then somebody took those and like same picture same black background like same sort of like positive word and then a sort of like um like demeaning phrase underneath I just thought those were so funny because mm-hmm. I grew up in a karate studio where those were everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then Classic. sort of seeing this other, this other turn to it. Um, it was very, very nice. Yeah. We, uh, we love the fake life. We love the, the escapism. I think the thinking that somebody else's life or some other thing is more real or more interesting than our own situation. Like that's the, that is the foundation of existentialism, that we have the life we live and the life we wished we lived. We have the things we do and the things we wished we do, the person we are and the person we wish we were. Um, that's the whole thing. Yeah, and there's like that classic phrase people say, you know, like when they're looking at a sunset or like when someone like throws... Like, if I threw you a pen and you, like, caught it with your pinky or something, (laughs) everyone would be like, whoa, it's like in a movie, you know, or something Mm -hmm. like that. And it's like, what? Like, you know, and it's like, I'm guilty of that, too. But that's just a alarming phrase that is included into the, uh, is it called vernacular? Is that, like, the word for, like, phrases everyone says and accept as normal? Yeah. 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 And I've just been doing a lot of thinking about screens and their role in our collective humanity, especially with COVID. And I think the meaning that someone makes for themselves or if you believe in a capital T, like true meaning or something like that, I think it all gets hidden in the shadow of these like bright screens that we're all so entranced by yeah so where have you been finding your meaning (laughs) oh heavy hitting question um i uh where have i been finding my meaning i i think i try and lean on um uh jre just kidding yeah the (laughs) jre yeah no well what do you mean by finding my meaning like what gets me up in the morning how do you what do you how do you put together a story for yourself that makes uh uh-huh. makes your life make sense? Yeah. Um, or at least makes it tolerable. I try and think of collective, like the collective human body often and understand that like that's what's going on and I just 
I think that's the reminder that I try and re- remember is like we're on Danielle and I have a mantra that we always say where we're on a flying rock. Um, mm-hmm. like, and that's what we're all doing. Like we're on a spaceship. That's I've heard a this. sphere. Yeah. It's like a, just a thing we do just to, for me, it just reminds, you know, like everything going on, like we're all in this together, which may sound cheesy, but essentially I guess that's the meaning making tool and just trying to approach every situation with patience and kindness and, uh, see another's humanity which i guess probably a lot of what i use to make meaning of the world is little tidbits and lessons i've picked up from uh the philosophy instilled by the front porch Hmm. nice yeah it is nice thanks again okay just because paul paid you to say that (laughs) doesn't mean you actually like <laughs> sound that convincing, Ben. Like it's an ad. Come on. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's funny. Danielle, what about you? So, Wise Blood movies, there's definitely some meaning making happening here. What else? Uh, what gets you up mm. in the morning, to be specific? What gets you up in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> what gets me up in the morning? Um. I don't really, uh, I, that phrase, I feel like that phrase is throwing me off because I feel like I don't, um, I'm thinking about it too literally. Uh, you think about I'm your like, alarm? I just, I just love waking up. I love getting out. Like, I love just like waking up and like starting the day. So I'm getting hung up on that phrase, but I, right now, I feel like I, I feel like in this season of life, I haven't really needed like a really like significant meaning making tool like throughout my like I think in different seasons of my life I've like really needed to learn a lot about like spiritual things or like I was you know really into like learning about the nuances of Christianity for a while but like at this point in my life I feel like I don't I haven't really been needing anything like that to go throughout my day and Mm. I I'm I feel like that sounds kind of bad, but I don't think so. I just, <laughs> it's a season. So, I mean, the dog that lives in my house, like, give me a lot of life. Oh, yeah, that dog is um, awesome. I know. He is like, he, he honestly is the one that gets me up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's been kind of more simple for me at, at this, in this season, just like the people in my life. Nice. The, the phone calls with my sister and my friends and spending time with Ben, who's going away very shortly. And, um, wow. We've been going for 18 hours. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Paul. We like to end the show with, uh, a request for endorsements or plugs from our people. Um, the, it can be literally anything. There are no limits to what is endorsed. Mike Miller endorsed uh, his root beer lover Instagram. Oh, yeah, that is a great Instagram. Um, Ryan Jocelyn endorsed his university. Uh, Tabitha endorsed talking to your friends. Got it. You got anything to endorse, babe? You can go. <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> I got plenty of endorsements. Okay, you go. Um, warm coffee. Great. Mm-hmm. Give it a shot. Um, Not hot. That. Oh well, no hot coffee. <laughs> Sorry, hot coffee. You're right. Sorry, warm coffee. Next time. Um, Brussels sprouts. Great. Those are things you should put in your body to, when you hear this. If you haven't lately, they're delicious. Another uh, great podcast thing to check out is uh, anything being pumped out by Pushkin. Wow. Malcolm Gladwell over there. Dr. Eric Lander making great informative pods worth listening to. Those are some things for sure. Patience. I also endorse patience. Hell yeah. Okay. It's a range. I'm just going to stick with one going along with wise blood. I've been really into wise blood music videos. Can you spell wise blood for the people, Daniel? Yeah. It's W E Y E S space B L O O D. And I honestly really would recommend her YouTube video, um, her music video to the song movies. It's really, I would, I w- you know, it gets my cogs turning instead of, <laughs> nice instead of, back. instead of interesting. It really gets my cogs turning and I think it would get your cogs turning too. Nice. Um, so endorse that music video. Terrific. Well, all right. Thanks for coming on the show here. I'll play us out. Uh, this has been uh, another great episode of the Front Porch Podcast, number 22. You can follow everything that Front Porch is up to on our Instagram, at Front Porch Slow. We do free meals most Wednesdays when school is in session. Uh, community nights, Wednesday evenings. Uh, we regularly do them outdoors and at a distance, to, you know, just to hang out as safe, uh, as, safe as possible. That's just so so key right now got to be in community and we got to do it safe music on today's show is by life grid is our theme song and other music by quicksand you can find quicksand on spotify uh, qksnd you can find life grid on bandcamp lifegrid.bandcamp.com we invite you to be a part of our giving tuesday initiative to bring front porches funds up to the where our budget is for the year and you can find details about that on instagram or on facebook you can support front porch on venmo at front porch slow or on our website frontporchslow.org slash donate i think that's all i got peace and blessings welcome to the purple zone not sure that's very good purple zone purple zone purple zone, purple zone.